Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Astrology Now podcast. My name is Christine Rodriguez, and in this podcast, we are going to talk more about the new moon that is taking place on February 9th of 2024 when this podcast publishes. I always love when the new or full moon lands on a Friday because, of course, that's when the podcast publishes and we can go a little bit more in depth. And so today I thought that we would talk a little bit more about the spirituality pieces associated with this new moon, the Vedic philosophy associated with this new moon. And we will briefly go through where this new moon is taking place for each of the 12 signs. And so that being said, if you would like to see your birth chart, you can go to my website, inner knowing dot yoga. You can go to offerings and chart. You'll find a free chart calculator as well as resources available to help you decipher the chart. Um, in the Vedic system, we do predictions from the ascendant as well as the moon. And so if you calculate your birth chart, look at the sign for Lagna, look for the sign for moon, and those are going to be the predictions that will be applicable for you through this podcast. And keep in mind that this is going to be quite brief. I do more extended predictions at patreon.com slash astrology now podcast, but we will go through them briefly today. And so I am recording this podcast later in the day, much later than usual. I am in a phase of life where it's kind of like a it's not a time warp. It's just like so much in my life is changing at once, which is really beautiful and really welcome. I feel like things kind of change drastically week to week. And I am actually really excited to be getting licensed as a social worker to begin the process to become a therapist, which I have the education for already. I essentially need to accumulate hours and then I need to take a licensing exam, and then I'll be an, a licensed clinical social worker. Super excited about that. I always knew I was going to do it. I didn't realize I would be doing that right now, <laughs> but you know, sometimes, sometimes things happen and inspiration hits. And so I've been studying for that and it's been great. And I'm ready to sit and talk about astrology. I just wanted to share that with you all because it's really exciting. And I think that it's probably going to have an, probably have an impact on the business for a little while. I'm still going to keep up with the podcast, but I may be doing more social work, um, stuff. <laughs> so anyway, please keep in mind that this podcast is a Vedic sidereal podcast, and I do have more information about that on my website at innerknowing.yoga. If you are curious if you go to calculate your birth chart. And so this new moon again is taking place in the sidereal sign of Capricorn. And for this new moon, it marks a special day in India and it's called Magha Amavasya. So Magha Amavasya is the day. And remember that Vedic astrology, Jyotish, is a science that originated in India. And so, you know, we, we might call it sidereal astrology or we might call it 
Vedic astrology and the original term, again, is Jyotish, which means the science of light. And it is a sister science to Ayurveda, which is the science of life. It's a sister science to yoga. All of these are supplements of the Vedas that support the path of self-realization. And so I always emphasize this because what's so amazing about Jyotish is that it's a science. (laughs) You know, I think that we get wrapped up in the Western perspective of the scientific method and what it means. And we kind of, I don't, I don't want to say we, but there are individuals, there are folks out there who discount this type of science or this type of knowledge. And this is the beginning of the separation from us as nature, right? I I feel that the Vedic sciences like yoga, Ayurveda, Jyotish, it recognizes that we are nature. Our body and our composition is compiled of the same elements and the same ingredients that we would find all around us in the natural world. We are a part of the natural fabric of this reality. And I think that in so many ways from from a more Western perspective, we separate ourselves more and more from nature. And we find all of these ways to manipulate ourselves or, you know, alter ourselves, adjust ourselves in a way that isn't necessarily synthesizing nature. And I think that we're kind of making a turn with that, you know, like functional medicine is becoming much more popular. Holistic wellness is becoming much more popular. We're we're realizing as a society, like, oh, there are other ways to approach health. There are other ways to approach science. And so I'm sharing all of this because in modern day society, I think that astrology gets discounted so often and it gets kind of brushed aside as like, you know, just entertainment or hogwash, so to speak, or like a party trick. Whereas from the Vedic perspective, it is very much more like engineering or a science. You know, Raghunath said that on my podcast once. He's like, it's it's less of a party trick and more of an engineering type of situation which is true. And through the years of studying Vedic astrology, you know, I've had the immense pleasure and the immense privilege of seeing that it is very much a science, very much a science in a way that is almost astounding. And also what's really beautiful about Jyotish is not only is it a science in the way that we may understand what science is, but it also integrates the essence of the divine. It's something that is beyond complete human comprehension. It it goes beyond, there are things that happen in Jyotish, there are things that happen cosmologically that very few people will ever be able to fully see. And those few people will be like master yogis, you know? Um, And again, it kind of goes beyond our human consciousness and our own, own, well, I shouldn't say human consciousness. It goes beyond most of our ability to fully comprehend. And if we are so conscious, if we are so in that consciousness, then it's revealed to us. But, you know, all of that to say, this is a really beautiful thing that we're looking at. It is a, it's a part of its own scientific method 
and it originated in India, <laughs> which is what I wanted to talk about. So it originated in India and India is so magical. If you ever have the opportunity to go it's so magical because they have celebrations regularly for these types of cosmic events and the entire calendar is built off of, you know, the, the movement of the moon and different astrological ongoings. It's spectacular. And so this specific day is Magha Amavasya. And the significance of this day is, first of all, to seek perfect speech, which we're going to get into. But there's also this emphasis on seeking ancestral support. Magha is the sign of ancestry. And there is an emphasis on finding purity in the body, mind, and spirit. And also, of course, charity. And there is this big emphasis on being quiet. And so people practice being quiet all day on this day. In yoga, it's referred to as as tapas. It's like a practice that is difficult, like fasting. So instead of fasting from food, which they'll also fast from food, but in addition to fasting from food, it's fasting from using our words. And the idea behind it, at least the way that I was taught, is that it teaches us to remember to control our voice, to control our words, to really practice ahimsa or nonviolence with our communication. And to also really practice truth, you know, really practice truthfulness in our words. In Vedic philosophy, this is satya. Satya is the truth. And I was reflecting on the power of words and how important it is to be truthful to be truthful in our words and to have our intention and our desire match what it is that we're saying. And I see this happen in the world around me. I do it sometime myself, but it's something that I used to really struggle with. And so I, you know, I kind of pride myself on being much better about it now. Every once in a while I might mess up, but what would happen and something that I'm acutely aware of in the world around me. And I'm curious to hear if y'all resonate with this. What would happen with me is that when I really wanted something, but I was too vulnerable to ask for it, I would say the opposite in hopes that I would get the opposite reaction. And I think this is very, very common in people who have any type of attachment disorder or who have not experienced uh, proper attunement from their caregiver um, is, for example, if if we really want our partner to come closer, like if it's a fight or an argument and all we want is a hug or to feel wanted, it's like, get away, go into the other room, leave the house, get out, I'm leaving. It's like we do the opposite in hopes that the other person might beg for us to stay or follow us or fight for us to stay. And that's actually like a subtle form of manipulation, right? Or another one, 
we we want someone's attention. We want them to come near us. They call us and we ignore their phone call just to show them. It creates this bigger and bigger gap in connection. And it keeps this perpetuating energy of, of game playing. Of, and game playing is not being forthcoming, not being honest, you know, cutting it out. It's, it's a block to true intimacy with anybody. You know, I'm, I'm using relationships specifically as an example, but it could be with our parents. It could be with children. It could be with coworkers saying things to elicit a certain response when it is not a true reflection of what we feel or what we want. How can we all practice being vulnerable and sharing what it is that we want moment to moment. And it's, it's not easy to do again. If, if you, if you were raised in a household where you were vulnerable enough to ask for something and you were rejected or abandoned, that wound is so deep that it's terrifying in those moments to ask someone for what you want because you don't want to experience that sense of abandonment. It's, it's terrifying. And if you're in a healthy relationship with a partner, with a family member, with children, with whoever it may be, if that relationship is healthy, that person is going to be more than willing to accommodate that. Um, it's definitely a practice and it definitely takes time to integrate that if it is something that you're struggling with. Um, and sometimes we may not be fully aware that we're doing it right, but I definitely encourage all of you as you are sending text messages or, I mean, I would say specifically text messages. I feel like this is where it happens the most, unfortunately, but it could be, you know, in person or phone calls just to ask yourself if the words that you're saying and the message that you're conveying is a true reflection of what it is that you want. Um, or are we spurring arguments or conflict in the hopes to bring somebody closer you know, if somebody doesn't answer our text message in time, then all of a sudden we berate them <laughs> with text messages. You know, I, I don't even bother responding. I don't want to see you later. You know, it's those types of words will elicit a reaction. Sometimes it's the reaction that we're hoping to generate, but more often than not, if somebody is stable and secure, they're going to take those types of messages at face value. I needed somebody to teach me that. And I know that a lot of young people listen to this podcast. I know that a, a lot of, you know, people through so many different ages listen to this podcast and may struggle with that. And so I just wanted to share as a reminder, you know, maybe if that behavior sounds familiar, this new moon is an opportunity to reflect on those parts of ourselves and be very loving to the parts of ourselves that may be scared, to be honest, with words all the time. Um, but make a pact with ourselves that we're going to really try in those moments to only say things to others that are a true reflection of what it is that we are wanting. And that may take us time to sit down and let ourselves diffuse and really think about our words because words have an impact. 
words have a profound impact on the world around us. And so how we use our words, how we choose to say them, when we choose to say them is going to create reality. It's going to create relationships. It's a very, very powerful responsibility that we all have. And so I love this new moon because it places this emphasis on speech. And when it's when, you know, the philosophy is talking about gaining control over one's language, making sure that our language is nonviolent, that is the definition of having control over our language, really utilizing our language to create the reality that we want, not perpetuate dysfunction, perpetuate anger, perpetuate disharmony. And there's time, you know, for words to be sharp and there's time for words to be aggressive and, you know, that there's time for things like that. But you know when it's from a place of truthfulness versus when it's from a place of feeling wounded or from a place of feeling maybe a little manipulative or from a place of feeling spiteful. You know, it's totally different. So again, I do hope that that's helpful. This was something that I really had to work on and I had to learn the hard, hard way. So that I hope you all who are listening, I'm sure many of you already know this, but for those of you that have not yet integrated this, I hope that I can save you a little bit of heartache with that. Um, And so other practices for the day, I mean, on the new moon itself, I think it will be very powerful to reflect on how we use language and also water. So swimming in sacred rivers is the traditional practice, but if there is somewhere beautiful near you for you to dip your feet in the water, or even just meditating on water that you consume, it could be usually, um, people will set water out for a full moon and let the water absorb the energy, but you could do the same thing with this new moon and have a ceremony of consuming the water. You may even chant the Gaia tree. Um, Lord Brahma is the creator of the universe. He is usually worshiped on this day. And so again, according to Vedic philosophy, there are three main gods. There is Brahma who created the universe. There is Vishnu who preserves the universe. And then there is Shiva who is the destroyer of the universe. And these energies keep the natural environment in flow. We have to have all three of those. And again, Brahma, Lord Brahma is the deity usually worshipped during this period of time. And I also want to say that it's very well-timed. This new moon is very well-timed to practice having control over our behavior and our language because Mars right now is very hot. It is exalted in the sign of Capricorn and it's also nearing Pluto. And so Mars and Pluto will completely conjoin at six degrees on February 13th. All of us are a little bit more prone to feeling inflamed, angry, aggressive, frustrated, impulsive. It may impact our personal relationships because Venus is involved. It may impact our communication because Mars is involved. It's it's such a great time to practice ahead of time. Only say what we mean (laughs) during this period. Don't sabotage yourself by saying things that you don't mean. 
Um, and also just be very mindful with accidents and injuries. Six degrees is the degree point of the United States Pluto. So we need to be mindful around this period of time. If you have planets at six degrees of Capricorn, again, be mindful. So that is what I am seeing generally. Let's go ahead and briefly go through the 12 zodiac signs. So if you are an Aries moon or an Aries ascendant, the new moon is taking place in the 10th house. This is an amazing time to set intentions for your work, your career life, your vocation. And I do want to say to be mindful of any conflicts with authority figures or the government, or there may be some type of emphasis on government matters or the relationship with a boss in some capacity. It's a great time for your professional work and making professional alliances. If you are a Taurus moon or a Taurus ascendant, the new moon is taking place in your ninth house. This is an amazing time to set intentions in regards to your spiritual practice, your spiritual pursuits, staying in alignment, staying in truth in regards to your dharma in your dharmic principles, there may be something coming up with a teacher or perhaps your father around this period of time, maybe even travel. If you are a Gemini moon or a Gemini ascendant, this new moon is taking place in the eighth house. This is a house of transformation, of stripping away layers. The new moon is a time of new beginnings. This is an opportunity for Gemini to really step fully into a new aspect of themselves. And this could be a time where things may be kind of coming up, you know, things that you are wanting to shed, wanting to release. It's a time of very deep transformation. There may even be something coming up around wealth or money. If you are a Cancer Moon or a Cancer Ascendant, this new moon is taking place in the seventh house. So this does put an emphasis on relationships, intimate partnerships, professional relationships as well. There may actually be a new opportunity coming in in regards to romance, but then also maybe a professional alliance, professional relationship. This is a great time to focus on how words influence relationship and impact intimacy, maybe even setting intentions in regards to relationship in general. I do want to say with all of this stuff happening in the seventh, there may be an extra fixation on relationships in general, really for the next couple of weeks. So have that in the back of your mind. If you are a Leo moon or a Leo ascendant, this new moon is taking place in the sixth house. So this is the house of your day-to-day -day work kind of of the grind of the hustle. It also has to do with health and wellness. So this is an awesome time for Leo to reflect on their health, to really take great care of their vitality and also be mindful of burnout. I think that you might be burning at such a hot temperature. You're a little bit more prone to burning out. You are also a little bit more prone to accidents around this period, but it's a great time to set intentions in regards to your day-to-day -day routine, your day-to-day -day health, keeping yourself healthy and vibrant. There could even be some sort of work opportunity coming in. Just be mindful not to get into arguments with coworkers. If you are a Virgo moon or a Virgo ascendant, this new moon is taking place in the fifth house. So this puts an extra emphasis on creativity, expression. It has an emphasis on children. It could also, um, bring up matters with speculation, like speculative business in some capacity. So some of you may be really focused on money matters and gains during this period. There could be some sort of opportunity. This is also an amazing time for creative pursuits. 
The fifth house is also the house of entertainment, romance, and fun. And so this is a great period to incorporate just a little lighthearted fun into your day or into your week. I do want to say that there could be something specific coming up with younger people, children, or maybe even students during this period. Um, if you do have kiddos, just keep an extra eye. They may be kind of, um, spicier than usual. If you are a Libra moon or a Libra ascendant, this new moon is taking place in the fourth house, putting an extra emphasis on home, land, real estate, property, vehicles, and also the mother. So there could be an extra emphasis on these facets of life. I also could see there being some sort of opportunity with your living environment. Maybe you're wanting to redecorate or you're wanting to bring something beautiful into your home. Um, the fourth house is also the house of the heart space. And so this is a really great reminder, maybe taking some time, quiet time, journaling, reminding yourself of what really fuels your heart and brings a sense of ease to your heart. Something that you can offer yourself that nobody else can offer. Just make sure to prioritize that in your week. Um, and, you know, again, just, just kind of be mindful with the mother. And I do want to say for Libra, be mindful with driving because this is, you know, this is the house of vehicles. It's a little hot. So be mindful with the driving. And there could also be things popping up with the house, like maybe a pipe burst or something. So some of you just kind of keep that in the back of your mind. If you are a Scorpio moon or a Scorpio ascendant, the new moon is taking place in the third house. And so with the new moon taking place in the third, this can definitely put an emphasis on siblings, the relationship with your siblings. It can also bring up matters involving the father for you as well. But what I love for Scorpio is that Mars is currently exalted and the new moon is going to be with this exalted Mars. So this is an awesome time for Scorpio to feel very powerful, to feel very motivated, to allow themselves to stand out, to really take up space. And so really allow yourself to be confident during this period of time. It's an awesome time for being productive and getting things done, especially in relationship to, um, your hobbies or your work or anything online with communication. I mean, this is just, this is a really powerful time for Scorpio. I do want to say to be mindful of burnout and do be mindful of accidents and injuries as well. If you've been thinking about joining a new course or learning something new or teaching something, this could also be a powerful time. If you are a Sagittarius moon or a Sagittarius ascendant, the new moon is taking place in the second house, putting quite an emphasis on wealth and finances and investments and also family matters and communication. So we're talking about how important this new moon is in regards to communication. This, especially for Sagittarius is an amazing time to reflect on your language, your choice of words, you know, how you express yourself to others. Are you truly expressing what it is that you feel, you know, and, and what it is that you're trying to convey and get across. It's a really beautiful time. And I think that your words will even be more potent and transformative during this period. I do see this potentially putting an emphasis on wealth as well. Rather it be that you're trying to conserve or uh, organize. Um, I just, this is a good time if you're not currently feeling in control of wealth and finances. It's a really good time to get serious, to make spreadsheets, to keep everything organized and to create some sort of financial plan. Um, the other thing I want to say is that there could be family matters coming up that need attention and definitely be mindful of what you're eating 
during this period of time. What you eat will have a direct impact on your health. If you are a Capricorn moon or Capricorn ascendant, this new moon is taking place in the first house, of course, with this exalted Mars. And so definitely Capricorn, you know, be mindful of burnout, be mindful of burning from both ends. So to speak, I think that you're going to be feeling, uh, maybe kind of overwhelmed during this period. You might be processing a lot during this period. Definitely. I encourage Capricorn to take the day slow, make sure that if it's not today, because I know it's Friday, taking a day on the weekend, very slow for yourself, really turning inwards. Um, it's a great time to set personal intentions when the new moon is on the ascendant. It's, it's really all about you. And so I actually do see there being a focus right now on Capricorn just for themselves and their personal development and also finding a balance between work and life and really trying to find again, a balance between being productive and doing things that need to be done while also doing things for pleasure and that really fill the heart that bring you happiness and bring you ease. And so if that's something that you haven't thought about for a while, definitely take some time on the new moon to remind yourself of what just, what, what soothes you, what, what brings you ease and happiness. If you are an Aquarius moon or an Aquarius ascendant, the new moon is going to be taking place in the 12th house. And so when the new moon is taking place in the 12th, this can definitely stir uh, matters of the subconscious mind matters from the past. It's also a deeply spiritualizing and introverted placement. And so for Aquarius, this is an awesome time to set intentions in regards to your spiritual practices. It's a good time to uh, take part in any mantras that you enjoy. If you, if fasting is appropriate for you, if you want to try the day, you know, going without speaking, it may be very, very powerful for you. And again, there could be things coming up from the past that you've forgotten about. There can be almost like a restlessness as well for Aquarius around this period of time. Um, maybe even travel or exploration. And the final thing I'll say for Aquarius is do be mindful of expenses. There could be money kind of feeling like it's draining out in this period. So just be extra mindful of finances. If you are a Pisces moon or a Pisces ascendant, this new moon is taking place in the 11th house, which I love. And so for our Piscean friends with this new moon taking place in the 11th, it's a great time to focus on community, friendships, collaborations, really, you know, embodying this idea of relying on others and trusting others and allowing people into our space. You know, and if that's something that you're fortunate enough to have, just really feeling gratitude for the people in your life that support you and lift you up and connect you with resources. It could also be a time of getting some sort of opportunity through somebody else. Um, it could be a work opportunity. It could be some sort of creative opportunity, collaborative opportunity, but I, I could absolutely see there being some type of opportunity involving collaborations and friendships in this period. And even if not, it's a great day to spend time with friends, to connect with friends, and to also set intentions for your long-term goals. The 11th house is the house of long-term goals and hopes and wishes. And so if you haven't sat down and made some quiet time to really think about those things, it could be helpful. 
The final thing I'll say for Pisces is that it is a good time to accumulate wealth and resources as well. So this is what I have for the 12 Zodiac signs. I hope that you found it helpful and supportive. My website is innerknowing.yoga. My Instagram is astrologynow underscore podcast. Patreon is patreon.com slash astrologynowpodcast. And that's all I have for today. Again, my name is Christine Rodriguez. This is Astrology Now. See you all next week.